Hi, I'm Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for the TGIT Thursday night ABC stuff. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. You will have probably watched the season finales of the Grey's Anatomy and the Scandal, and hopefully you are in full recovery mode, or maybe you're re-watching some stuff, which would also be super cool. But I've got one of my favorite people in the world who I've worked with in a couple of different incarnations, actually, mm -hmm. and am so excited to have her here to talk about the season finale of Grey's Anatomy and her character, Dr. April Kepner. That would be the magnificent Sarah Drew. Hello, magnificent <laughs> hello, Sarah Drew. Hello, hello. Sarah Drew today, so you guys know, is wearing a gray sort of tank top with some sort of stitched lines in it, which is kind of mm. nice. Mm -hmm. And it's form-fitting, and it's very pretty. And, and it was totally on sale at an outlet store. It was totally on sale at an Maine. outlet store, which makes it even better. <laughs> because not only is it attractive, but it's also... Cheap. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say financially conservative. No. But cheap is cheap, a good way of putting it. Because I'm cheap. <laughs> um, and you also, but wait a second. I'm just going to say great black jeans, but those boots... Uh, I may have also to, cheap. I may have to hit you on the head and steal them. Seriously? <laughs> I, I got these for $30 in one of those going out of business stores in Vegas. <laughs> I got to go shopping with you. Okay, so I they're know. super cool. They're black and they've got rubber soles yeah. and they've got lots of buckles. They do. They do. I get complimented on these all the time. They're super comfortable and they literally cost me 30 bucks. You know, I got to say one of my favorite pairs of shoes, which nobody compliments me on because they're kind of ugly as sin, <laughs> but that's okay, is I bought this pair of like... They're weird, like little Merrill brown, almost like clogs with fur in them. And they're the most co totally comfortable shoes I've ever bought. It's like wearing slippers. And they were 30 bucks. Nice. And I wear them everywhere. And I know they're a little appalling. I look a little bit like an elf. <laughs> but I, I just, I, they're the best. And I got to say, like, I don't care. And the fact that I got them for $30 just makes me love them more. I think even if they weren't comfortable, I probably would still wear them. I agree. I think getting a deal makes my soul sing. See? <laughs> And that's a wonderful skill, I think, to have is to be able to find a deal because why get ripped off? Why pay more? When you don't have to. Exactly. When you don't have to. So I've actually known you for a while because I first met you when you did a pilot for us that didn't end up going to series, which yes. was called Inside the Box. Yeah. And you played a really perky intern <laughs> who, as I remember, like was running around with a news tape a, a lot. A news tape and losing it because I got... My car was mugged and... That's right. Yes. And, uh, and I come back having failed miserably and then I throw somebody else under the bus. That was By good. telling our boss that my name is a different name than it is. Which uh, I think worked out really, really well. And we also did out. that pilot with Kim Raver. Yes, we did. Who, and Jason George. And Jason George. And all three of those fine people as you guys can now figure out, ended up in Grey's Anatomy yes. because we loved them so much. We put them in a bag and we put them in the trunk of our car you and we told, drove them you over. You towed us around. We towed, we towed you guys around and it worked out great for I us. I feel really, really grateful to be in that tote bag. It's, it's all the best. It's a select tote bag, but it's definitely got room for talented, fabulous people. So it works, it works incredibly well. And Obviously, this was the season finale, which was an amazingly intense mm -hmm. and crazy balls episode of television. But mm -hmm. I also feel like, for me, gave me a certain amount of relief and closure about a lot of things and not closure on some other stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was really moving and beautiful. And you see this window into what, the, what this new beginning for Meredith can be and that there's a lot of hope in it and there's a lot of light in it. And that last image of everybody dancing it out, except for April, who's crying in a chapel somewhere um 
everybody dancing You guys, we, we brought the one beautiful. depressed character. Yes, I know. From the show. So sad. Here to talk about it. But yeah, <laughs> but look, this season's been a gut terror for April. Yes. Like for April and Jackson, their relationship, the entire experience with the baby, which was a storyline that you really bravely just drove right into and, and were part of the instigation of, correct? I pitched it right after we had the table read where I tell Jackson that I'm pregnant. I walked outside and I said, so this happened to some friends of my parents and this is what happened. And I pitched the osteogenesis imperfecta. The main difference is that in my parents' friend's story, they were both Christians. And I thought that it would be really interesting to kind of have to navigate the waters with one person who's a Christian and one who's not in having to face this whole, what do we do in this scenario? I, I thought Jackson could really be heroic in it and and rally in a way that she can't rally for herself and it, I was so so blown away by how the writers took it and made it sing so so did you pitch it to Shonda first I or? did right yeah. outside of the rehearsal hall I <laughs> we have then, our table reads at the rehearsal hall you guys it's like great yeah okay. and I, I walked outside and I was like here's a story and she's like uh yes we're doing it and then I sent a very detailed email to Tony and to I think Bill also and to Shonda with like all kinds of ideas about where it could possibly go and and then I saw it all on the page <laughs> and it must have been I mean in terms of both the pride of being able to come up with such an amazing story but also when you started to, I mean it, what a traumatic thing to act in because yes. you're a mom and it's and you don't even have to be a mom to find this traumatic frankly I mean I'm not a mother I didn't give birth to my puppy that would technically just make me a dog mom <laughs> as opposed to an actual mom but it is the worst possible sort of Sophie's Choice situation mm. that a family can get into. And yeah. that must have been really tough to play. Well, I was also pregnant at the time. I uh, know. So it ended up being kind of traumatic. Good girl. I'm still... Way to pitch. I'm still recovering. <laughs> I know. I pitched it and then they gave me an out once I, once I became pregnant because I wasn't pregnant when I pitched it. I remember talking and, to Shonda about yeah, that. Yep. And, I, and they were like, we care more about your sanity and well-being, sanity and your well-being than about this story. So you tell us. And I said, ah, I, I'm so invested in the story now. I'll do it. I can do it. I want to do it. And I'm glad, I'm ultimately glad, really, really glad that I did it because the outpouring of response to it made it all worth it. Uh, you know, people writing in saying, thank you so much for telling my story. I've never been able to grieve like this with a show after having walked through something like this myself. Mm -hmm. I ha we got so many incredible letters from people. You can't ask for anything more than that. But it was pretty traumatic for me. We shot the labor and delivery scene where I give birth and we say goodbye and our baby dies in our arms. Mm -hmm. And 10 hours later, I went into premature labor. No kidding. <laughs> and I, so had, uh, I have no idea why that would have been. Yeah, seriously. I gave birth to my daughter and she was whisked away from me after only getting to hold her for like five minutes and sent to the NICU. And she was in the NICU for 11 days because her lungs weren't ready. So it was pretty intense. <laughs> I will say though, having just walked through the trauma of telling that story, it almost emotionally prepared me for my real trauma that mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. encountered right after. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had this greater perspective of like, well, I know I'm not saying goodbye to my child. Mm -hmm. Yes, she's covered in tubes right now. And yes, this is the hardest thing in the world. But 
I'm not going to lose her. She, her life is not in danger. She's going to be okay. And this happens, I mean, super preemies nowadays are not that unusual. Yeah. There's systems by which people handle it. Mm -hmm. It's certainly rough on the parents, but the great thing about the medical system now is they can do amazing things in yeah. terms of hastening a child up to being able to be able to go home. Absolutely. Whereas just even a few years ago, it would have been a lot harder to yeah. do. Absolutely. I'm in the staff at the NICU. I mean, they're just, they all have a set of wings. Those nurses and those doctors. My husband actually said, you know, our doctor reminds me a lot of Arizona Robbins, <laughs> which was really, really cute because she just, she had a wonderful bedside manner and was so positive and so encouraging and made us feel so safe. And he's like, she just feels like Arizona. <laughs> well, then it's, it's, it's nice because it's familiar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, not only do you have a really peppy doctor, but it's like you're, it's like you're at the hospital on the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all like, fine. I think that's one of the weirdest things about this job is that sometimes the confusion of reality and non-reality is I know when I've been in actual hospital, sometimes I get confused. Yes. Whether I'm in a real hospital or a fake hospital, uh -huh. which is terrible because I had once, and I might have told you guys who are listening this before, but I once on private practice while we were doing private practice, a friend of mine was having surgery in a hospital downtown and I just wasn't taking it seriously for something. Like I was sitting there and it was fine. He was having surgery and I kept sitting there and kind of going like... They're going to say cut any this second. They're going to say cut. And then yeah. I realized that we'd shot in the hospital, which is why we'd actually used it as a location, oh which is why I had no idea what was real and what wasn't real. <laughs> and then I walked in and the poor guy was getting off of anesthetic. And sometimes, as you folks probably know, that doesn't go so good. And you know, you throw up. But for the most part, we don't show that part right, right, TV. Right. And I kept going, what's your problem. Well, Get over it. Up. You're fine. You're, you're fine. <laughs> you're, you should be okay by now. It's been, it's been an hour and a half. What? We're in the next act. We're in the next act. We're supposed exactly. to have a conversation. <laughs> so count me the crappiest friend you ever, ever oh. want to have like visit you in the hospital. I honestly just think that doing what we do, we all have to have a little bit of strange disconnect from reality. Otherwise we wouldn't do it as well as we can do it. There, that is absolutely right. There has to be some confusion <laughs> between reality and fantasy. There, that is absolutely <laughs> right. Now, one of the things I think, which is just great, which has happened to your character at the end of the season, I know it's incredibly difficult for your relationship with Jackson and I don't know what the heck's going to happen there. But I love the whole idea of you going off and with Owen, finding your strength mm -hmm. and giving back like that and realizing that having been through trauma, the best way to deal with it is to continue to put yourself through trauma. <laughs> I just thought that was, yeah. and, and also, I just love Kick-Ass April. <laughs> April 2.0. April 2.0 is awesome. <laughs> I'm super, super psyched about April 2.0. I hope and pray and wish that everything will work out with her and Jackson because I just love the two of them together also. But I do think that this is a really, really cool transition and evolution for her. I, lo I love the idea that she takes her trauma and then her process of healing is serving others, is healing others. That's how she heals, is to heal others. And I also think that there's something profound that happens. I'm guessing, I mean, I've never been in a combat zone, but in talking to folks who have been in a combat zone, I am guessing there is something pretty profound that happens about recognizing that you are a very, very small part of a much bigger world. And there's a whole lot more pain than your own personal pain can even begin to comprehend. And I don't know, recognizing that 
I, I feel like that could diminish her pain a little bit and allow her to see the world as a much bigger place. It's kind of cool to see her be kick-ass and badass and only want to fix what she can fix and heal who she can heal. And Yeah, I think that that was what was amazing about the case with Keith. Like, I thought the mm-hmm. entire way that that rolled out over the episode before in this one in terms of just the idea of how to handle Keith, getting him out of the car, and that, that shot of, like, April sitting on top of, like, as he's, as he's like, being pushed into the... ER. Mm-hmm. I remember when we first meet Owen, it was something that we played with a lot when he was first a character on the show, but how different the methodology and the logic and the thinking is when you've actually been out in a place where you have nothing and you have no time. In these hospitals, you have all these resources, and in these cases, you don't have the time. Right. And what, how you can apply a place where you have neither to a place where you have one right. is so, it was so cool to watch. Yeah, yeah. And it was also just happy after this big pile of lots and lots of loss recently that those two people could be okay that was like such a nice oh my god that was such a nice present I was so relieved that moment when they bring the baby out to him and he changes his mind and decides to fight to live I lost it when we were shooting it I was like this is so intense oh oh totally yeah. I mean so beautiful so beautiful oh I, and I think honestly like just the, the fact that you're continually dealing with the relationship with Jackson, how the two of you dealt with the grief differently, mm-hmm. which I think is just profound to watch because it's one of my favorite things to watch on TV right now because I totally agree with both of you. And I found that really hard in the finale because I absolutely can totally identify with yeah. him, but I also totally identify with you. And it's hard. It's a really, I mean, it's sort of a no-win situation for April, like give it, being given this ultimatum. On the one hand, I think that, yes, she's just been called out on her. She really did run in a way and did not stay to care for Jackson but she had to do what she had to do she had to figure out a way to heal because she was not going to continue if she couldn't but what she's discovered over there is that it's a it's a deeper thing than like a pursuit of a career it's a calling I mean she calls it a calling something that she feels is inherent in in who she is now to be this healer and to be in that space doing that thing and so it's kind of she's now having to sort of decide between two loves of her life Mm -hmm. now she's found the thing that gives her joy purpose meaning also I think marriage is a calling itself and she's also has a calling to her marriage so it's two different things that are now in conflict so I have no idea how they're going to work it out I have no idea what's going to happen well I I keep asking that they'll (laughs) stay stay together though (laughs) I'm like please writers keep them together I love them together (laughs) I want them to figure it out I want them to fight for each other no I I totally I totally know what you mean and we have so much invested in the relationship too despite all their differences and Catherine and all the confusion and and that wedding that was a nice wedding Mm -hmm. even though it was sort of weird the whole thing was weird but it was nice they all I love weddings on tv (laughs) I just always do but Um, I also feel like they've just been like they've they've had to fight for their relationship from day one I mean they've been through so much together that it feels like to just cut I mean, it's not going to just be done. I'm sure that there will be many. This is the first of many conversations that will be agonizing and difficult. <laughs> fans have questions. Yes. So I'm going to ask you some fan sure. questions. Emma at Emanator wants to know, what advice would you give to April in her current situation? I would tell her to do what she can to fight for Jackson while also fighting for herself in the process. And I, I don't know what that looks like. I do think that it doesn't look like immediately running off to the battlefield and cutting and running. I think it, it means 
apologizing to him in a very deep way and trying to make it right in mm -hmm. some way, but also not giving up on this thing that she's discovered about herself that she needs. So mm -hmm. again, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> no, but I think that's, I think that's really, really good advice. Casito at Don't WD wants to know if you could choose to be another character in Grey's Anatomy, who would you be? And by the way, Ariana at Capshaw's Camilla also sort of asked a similar question. I get that question a lot. And I wouldn't, I don't want to be anybody other than April. I, I think mainly because I've had the incredible privilege of getting to play so many different incarnations of this same person. I feel like I've played four different characters over the course of my six years on the show. I mean, I think my, my pat answer used to be Christina just because she felt very, very different than April and it would be very fun to play somebody very different. But I'm feeling like April right now is so different than April even three episodes ago. So... It's been fun to play um, her. It um, feeds into Cindy Jay's question, which was, do you like the old April or the new April better? And it's neither. They're neither. just, they're, they're April who's growing, right? Yeah, she's growing and she's changing. And that's what we do as human beings. So it's exciting to really get to dig into a very real human being. Okay, so if you could be any other character in any other Shondaland show, what would it be? I think that if I if I could just like visit a character, like yes. visit the just, skin of a character. Just visit the skin of a character. Huck. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I knew you were going to say Huck. I absolutely knew you were going to say Huck because that would be amazing. That would be so freaking cool to be so totally different. You know, it's kind of the polar opposite of April. Polar opposite. Really, really polar, polar opposite. Uh, um, Ariana at Capshaw's Camellia wants to know, uh, would you like to see April and Arizona become friends? They already are friends. More, better friends. Definitely. Hang I, out with I mean, her. yeah, yeah okay. I love I love the the moments that we've gotten to have together have been so much fun. So, I would love to see a deeper friendship grow. I also think that with the evolution of April, I can see I can see a friendship developing between her and Amelia, and I would really love to see that. Totally. They got something gigantic in common. They have they something both gigantic have in common. A hideous experience with a baby they loved and mm -hmm. losing the baby. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Bella at Bella Pompeo wants to know, would you be friends with April if you met her in real life? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think you would too. I, I feel like so much of Sarah is in April in so many ways that if I said no to that question, I would be saying I don't like myself very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Beatrice Durio at Beatrice312 wants to know, is it hard to do all those crying scenes? No, I mean, I think I think it used to be. It's sort of a muscle that develops over time. The more you have to cry in various different shows, the 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 easier the triggers are. I will say in those first 6 months after having a child when you're sleep deprived and hormonal, it's really easy to cry. <laughs> it takes no effort. I literally just like look at somebody and start sobbing. <laughs> Those were the times we should have been writing you with a lot of crying, which we did. I know, which, was which great. you did. It worked out really well at the end of my pregnancy. That's genius. <laughs> yes. Marley at Robin's Gray wants to know, what episode has been your favorite to shoot? Probably 11 this season, which is when we lost the baby. I It was so intense but so beautiful. I read the script and burst into tears. I thought it was done in such a beautiful and hopeful way in the midst of that sorrow. And I felt like Jesse and I did really great work. And I loved that. I, I, and I, I, I will also say I really loved the episode where my wedding episode and 
the one right after that also because I, yep. I got to go through a lot of really fun, crazy stuff in that episode as well. Um, last question is Yale Gray Sloan at Yale Gray wants to know if you had, if you could choose one doctor on the show to operate on you, who would it be? One of the Christina fakes. Yang. I mean, I know she's not on the show anymore, but man, I would put my life in her hands. I think I might let Sandra O oh operate on me. Too. <laughs> I know. I, I got to be really honest. I think that I honestly think she'd do a really good job. She probably would. I know she could stitch me up because I've watched her sew a banana. But I, yeah, I think I, yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. There's like a real focus there. So much focus. So I think no matter what her problem was, she probably she could, fix it. She could sort it out. She could sort it out. I agree. Thank you so much for doing this and taking Absolutely, the time. It's yeah. so good to get a chance to talk to you about this. And it was such an incredible episode, and you've had such an amazing season this year. Thank you. And um, we've we've fun. all been through so much with you in April. So. <laughs> no. It's, it was quite so a thing. I. I know you have. I like coming down from the season. It's been so crazy just recovering from it. Being like, oh, okay, here's my real life. You get to go home and just kind of relax. Yeah, I'm really excited about Relaxing. that. It's be so nice. It's all good. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to ABC This Season for Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is the final podcast of the season, but we'll be back next season. And we will start with a whole new group of podcasts. And we will probably be integrating at some point when it's on the air, our new show, which is called The Catch, which will be debuting uh, later in the year after the run of How to Get Away with Murder on Thursday nights. Please, over the summer, have a great time, relax, catch up on episodes that you missed on Watch ABC. You might want to continue to follow everybody on Twitter and like things on Facebook. And I will be back sooner than you actually can believe. It'll go really, really quickly. This is Betsy Beers wishing you guys a really, really, really terrific summer. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.